You're listening to Playback, a Variety iHeartRadio podcast. I'm your host, Variety Awards editor Chris Tapley. This week I'm talking to Ty Sheridan, the 21-year-old star of Steven Spielberg's Ready Player One, which opens tomorrow. You've seen Ty in films like Terrence Malick's The Tree of Life and Jeff Nichols' Mud. He also stars this year in X-Men Dark Phoenix, reprising the role of Cyclops. That comes out later in the fall. So sit tight. This is Playback. Okay. Oh. Can I move this? Is that all right? Yeah, you're fine right now. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. So you were just in Europe, yeah? I was just in London. How was that? We. Uh, it was good. It was. Co- it was super cold when we got in. It was. Um, it was snowing. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so. I haven't nice seen to... snow. Uh, I finally did for the first time in a long time when I went to Sundance this year. Oh, yeah. How was but, that? Uh, I haven't seen snow in forever other than that. Did you see a lot of movies? Or? Yeah, I saw a lot, actually. I went for the second half. So every, everything had cleared out. You know, all the people had cleared out. Oh, is he done? I guess he's done. So we just, we're, are we recording? We are recording. And I'm going to just line this. is cool. This. I don't think I've ever done a podcast. Oh, sweet. Well, then we have what? your premiere like episode. Premiere <laughs> episode. <laughs> Yeah, sorry, I'm a little under the weather, so sorry if I'm not my under the feeling that best. It's been one of those years. Everybody's got something every other week. And how many podcasts are you doing per? These are weekly. Okay, yeah. so it's just one a week. Yep. Oh, just okay. had Jeff Goldblum no actually, your co-star. Yeah, and I love that guy. The, what's it called the Mountain? Yes. The did he talk about it? A little bit at the end. What did yeah. he say? Uh, well, you know, Jeff. <laughs> it was just kind of emoting. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah Great. And, and there's a young actor who did that kind of thing. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Sounds like a wicked movie, though, man. It's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, it's, I'm, yeah, I'm super excited about it. So Rick Alverson, mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with his work. He did a, Let me just interrupt you. We're, we're yeah. sitting here today with Ty Sheridan, Sorry. star of uh, Ready Player One. No worries. I was I was not sure. I don't know if you're familiar with Rick Alverson, the mm-hmm. the, um, the filmmaker. He did a movie. We did a movie together actually called Entertainment. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw that with Greg Turkington mm-hmm. and yeah. Tim Heidecker's in it. But his movies are crazy, and I have a lot of fun working with him. And so we made a movie together with Jeff Goldblum, and uh, that was in November and December, and that was a, a hoot for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff's fun, man. That's a whole energy. It takes you like. A half hour to shake it after you've hung out oh, with him for, for sure. a little bit. No, he's he's a lot of fun. I love that guy. Well, like I said, the movie that you're uh, kind of promoting right now is Ready Player One. Steven Spielberg. It's about as big as it gets. Massive. Uh, it's not quite summer, but it's essentially a summer blockbuster. Uh, I, what I wanted to ask you, you know, you live in mm-hmm. Austin. You're from Texas. What was mm-hmm. it like to premiere this movie at South by Southwest in your home oh, state? Oh my gosh! There? Yeah, no, it was the it was the coolest actually, because we had been. <clears throat> you know, for like a year or maybe even over a year, we had been talking about having the movie at South by Southwest because it's really a perfect kind of place for it because, you know, it's film meets, um, you know, interactive and tech. And um, this movie, you know, takes place in 2045 and mm-hmm. in a future where people spend most of their lives in a virtual world called the Oasis. So uh, it kind of made sense for the movie to be there. And, and, you know, I think it was a lot of it was just about whether or not we could convince Steven and whether Warner Brothers could convince him to to actually play the movie there. But um, because he'd never, I don't think he'd ever done that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's definitely never had a movie at South by Southwest. And uh, so I had all my family, because I lived there, I had all my 
family come down. They're all up in East Texas, so they came down. I have my parents, my grandparents, my little sister, my cousins, best friends, like everyone. So it was nice. so special. I mean, it was a crazy weekend. I was a little overwhelmed um because you know when you have that much family and no one you know <laughs> yeah. you gotta like it's like hurting adds to a bunch of sheep yeah. or something like that um but it was good you know i got really excited as we were backstage about to show the movie and i knew they were all out there about to see a film a steven spielberg movie that i had worked on so i mean it was a pretty pretty <laughs> cool feeling yeah but i wasn't there but i certainly saw in the reports it seemed like he was very touched did, did he seem very nervous backstage you know, right before he was about to unleash this movie? I think so. I mean, he was, you know, I don't think so because he made his decision and he knew what he was getting himself into. Um, he's very rational in that sense. So he uh, he did get, a li- I mean, everybody got a little flustered because at the most climactic part of the movie in the, in the third act, um, the sound went out actually. Oh yeah, and they had they had installed they had installed a, a new Dolby sound system so that we could play the movie at the Paramount Theater that night. Mm-hmm. Um, so when the sound went out, it was you know yeah like, it's like a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, my my heart kind of stopped, and I was looking around. The executive producer Chris Defari and the producer Donald Deline were sitting like right next to me. We we're all kind of looking at each other, and <laughs> and then they they start so they played the movie again. And at the same moment, the sound went out again. Ugh. Um, and then they did it again. Same thing. Sound went out. And then we're like, oh, my gosh. So <laughs> this is not – this is this is, this is is terrible. Um, and then the third time they, they tried it, it worked. The third time was, third a charm. was a charm. And then the crowd just – it was crazy because the crowd just went nuts. Yeah. Yeah, because it, and it was the – it almost, like, helped build up the, <laughs> that moment in the third act where, um, you know – I can't say yeah, what so, happens, so, but slow but. down, slow down <laughs> yeah. on the story. Spoilers. spoilers. No, totally. Yeah, I heard they were kind of supplying their own soundtrack, even whenever it was uh, silent up on the screen. Uh, I'm always curious with Mr. Spielberg because <clears throat> we all know him. Obviously, his spectacle is considerable in the canon of film, and and uh, his place in that spectrum. Uh, I'm always curious to talk to actors who've worked with him, mm-hmm. uh, how he works with actors, because I think it's yeah. kind of an underappreciated element of his repertoire frankly yeah i mean sure i think a lot of people you know we, we look at steven spielberg films and we think like adventure and you know i know he's made a lot of historical dramas uh lately like lincoln and the post or, um but uh we we look at his movies and we think like you know big in scope big in scale like really fun family kind of oriented films sometimes um but i think we you know Sometimes we don't isolate or single out the performances, but yeah. you know, there's they, they make those type of movies though. That's I mean, I think that's the glue that kind of you know, and you see such a great, such a great camaraderie amongst like young characters in mm-hmm. his movies, like whether it's E.T. or even films that he was you know he produced, like The Goonies. Um, I think a lot of that stems from him, you know, having being a child on set like he's just he's like a big kid and he's like the biggest film nerd i know yeah. and he just gets so enthusiastic and he's he's nervous every day before he goes to work and that's something that you you know is you share with him um you know obviously working on a steve spielberg movie there's you know some you 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 don't want to let the man down uh yeah. so i i think that yeah i mean he's he's incredibly engaging and i don't think i've ever we shot 
sixty percent of this movie in motion capture. Mm-hmm. So um, he was, you know, he's literally right. You know, if I'm do- I was doing a scene with Olivia Cook, he was like right in between the two of us and talking to us through the scene. He was there with us, mm-hmm. perf- almost like he was performing as well. But um, and I think that's you know that does as as an actor, I think psychologically it gives you that extra you know whatever it is to keep to to push the performance even you know to the next step uh and elevate it even more and um so i think he's really great with actors he's incredibly patient you never feel like you know he might give you two or three takes to to kind of settle into the scene before he starts giving you big notes Mm -hmm. um and that was something that i really you know i really admired his his, uh and his supportiveness and like he he makes you believe and understand and feel confident in playing your roles because he's you know he will say to you i I, you know i chose you because you're the one person that is supposed to play this Mm -hmm. role and uh so knowing that and even like him vocalizing that um was super comforting and and uh honestly like i just you know this is the best I think the best learning experience I've ever had. I mean, I've learned more on this movie than I have on any other film in the past that I've worked yeah. on, for sure. How long was the shoot? Shot for four months. Uh, how long of that was? 60% of that was in performance capture? <clears throat> yeah, so, I mean, 50% of our production schedule was motion capture, I believe. Yeah, we shot over the, the course of the first eight weeks. It was all motion capture. What did you think of that? I mean, I'd never done it before, so it was a it was a great crash course. You know, I was I learned so much, and to be at the cutting edge because Ready Player One was really pushing the envelope mm-hmm. with you know what we were doing on on set, and you know we were doing things that hadn't been done when you know to to, to date. Um, you know, for instance, we had you know ILM and Digital Domain, who were the visual effects companies who kind of brought this this world together and created this world. Spent a lot of time uh, in pre-production building these environments, mm-hmm. these three-dimensional environments, so that when we were on the set, we could see, we, although we were in a motion capture uh, volume, we could see ourselves driving our avatars and mm-hmm. walking around in those environments, and we can even take a, we could even take a step further and put on a, uh, a VR headset that was tethered um, and it was spatially tracking, so we could walk around the, the environment and have a three-dimensional perspective on the environment. So That's it crazy. really helps you. Yeah, it really helps you understand because it's just a blank room. Yeah. It's just and there's no, and it's you know there's a white carpet and scaffolding with a bunch of lights and infrared sensors and and you're wearing like this you know thick onesie with <laughs> all these tracking markers all over you and yeah. a and a helmet with four facial capture cameras. Um, and polka dots all over your face, so it's kind of a crazy, kind of a crazy thing. Like you know, you, you feel completely stripped down, and, and there's there's nothing except for you and the other performers around yeah. you. So, um, and for that aspect, I mean, I loved it because it allowed me to revert back to that place where when I was eight years old, you know, pretending with my friends and, recre- and creating a, a scene in a magical place. It was it literally felt like that. Yeah. You know, all, a lot of it was left up to your imagination. You know, you could jump into the VR world and take in the environment, but then when you when it came time to perform, obviously you had to take it off. Yeah. And so um, that was a great tool to help us 
kind of get into it. Um, and then everything else was just, you know, you're purely collaborating with your cast and the rest of the crew and you, you, the visual effects supervisors and Steven. And, um, so everybody's, you know, ideas and, and visions, it, it, it all kind of comes together to create one. And, and um, you know, it was this this movie is the, the visual effects are like just incredibly yeah. stunning. It's and, insane. You were talking. Uh, you were talking earlier, you know, just about uh, just the world Spiel- Spielberg has given us, obviously, and that he's the biggest kind of movie dork, movie nerd you've seen. Uh, do you share that quality? I mean, did you grow up? I mean, it's kind of a silly question, probably, but you grew up on these movies, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I told him the first time I met him because I didn't know if he was going to cast me in his movie or not. I said, um, Mr. Spielberg, I just want to, you know, thank you for all the films that you made because without. E.T. that you know that movie played a hundred times, hundreds of times during my childhood. Uh, without that movie, you know, or any of your movies, I feel like I would be a different kid in some yeah. way, um, a different storyteller at least. And and so, you know, I I really I'd like to to think that I took advantage of the opportunity <laughs> for just in case. And, you know, like we, there were times where we would just sit around and he would do this you know dolly shot and catch it you know and i would ask him why we were doing that why this camera move and this and then he would get so enthusiastic about and you know yeah. t- talking about filmmaking and what and you know on, on this great shot and in th- this movie and he could just reference films he's like mm-hmm. a you know an encyclopedia on that stuff so um are you at all like that do you have like a, a deep historical um, kind of context for i mm, no, no i wouldn't say so not near i mean not nearly as good as that guy sure um, I mean, I like movies, and sometimes, like, I know weird facts about obscure movies, but I, I would say there's a lot of people that I work with and know, I mean, much more, um, like, as far as just, like, an archival yeah. uh, collection of movies in their head. I think that, you know, I'm not that impressive. <laughs> it's always interesting just to see how people respond. I mean, there's famous, famous actors that literally just have no desire to learn a ton about uh you know film history or anything like that like that and and obviously there's plenty who just uh are immersed in it so it's just always interesting to find out you know what people absolutely you know yeah and i think for me i was i was always really like interested in the technical mm-hmm. aspect of filmmaking because that helps me do my job better mm-hmm. in front of the camera believe it or not i mean if i understand the you know the frame and i understand mm-hmm. what, how i fit into that frame and how you know wh- how how close I can where close focus is and how close I can come to the camera like mm-hmm. all that all that stuff really um, helps me do my job better. So I yeah. feel like a lot of those questions are you know one because I aspire to to learn all aspects of filmmaking and and behind and in front of the camera, but also because you know it does help me do my job better. Yeah, totally. Uh, it's great to be able to give the cameraman something, you know, like the Goldblum, speaking of him, I've never seen a guy give the photographer so much in a photo session, just, you know, giving him all these looks and all these, like, he's basically singing and humming oh, he and gives stuff. everybody he's so much. Very generous. Yeah. Uh, you've probably been asked this a bunch on, on this particular tour, but were you much of a gamer growing up? Are you a gamer? Um, I'm a gamer. I mean, not, I wouldn't say like I'm an avid gamer. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, I grew up playing some games. We were, but it was typically, I mean, gaming for me was something that was social and something I wanted to do with my friends. And even now, you know, like, I think there's only a handful of games that I really play. The only games I actually play by myself are, like, VR games. Mm-hmm. 
you know, I know you can do multiplayer and VR and, and the same as you can do like online with people when you're playing PS4 or whatever. But um, yeah, so for me, I mean, I, I like to get with my friends and play like FIFA, but <laughs> first person shooters and stuff like that. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think even like our our, our movie is largely uh, a reference and uh, pays homage to you know games from the 1980s and mm-hmm. where the uh, Atari 2600 or mm-hmm. um, even arcade games. Um, I think that you know the, the the 80s arcade games I was familiar with. On I'd never actually played an Atari when it came time to shoot this movie, and mm-hmm. so there's a there's a scene in the movie which is a really prominent scene actually where my character plays an Atari game. Right. Uh, and so I mean I'd done I'd done like as much research as I possibly <laughs> could without actually getting to play the game. I'd seen videos of people playing it. I read up about the game. And so when, when we, you know, I was nervous when, we, when it came time to shoot the scene because... Am I going to look out of place playing yeah. this game? And yeah. so I had to pull Steven over to the side and say, you know, Steven, uh, I don't know. Can you teach me how to hold the Atari <laughs> controller? Because I want to make sure I'm doing it correctly. Right. So I got Atari lessons from steven spielberg and zach penn our screenwriter well that's awesome <laughs> yeah pretty awesome <laughs> that's something you marked down off the, the, the check yeah i guess you were, you know a lot of that's before your time I mean, you were born when the nintendo 64 was coming out so yeah which just we, makes me feel which we we played we played nintendo 64 a lot in my cousin's house i mean i was over at their house like you know every day during my child and we they, they're you know my cousin austin my cousins austin and allison had an older brother, Christopher, who had a Nintendo 64, and mm-hmm. he would just set us up and, you know, we'd blow on the cartridges and <laughs> yep. jam them in and, and rock on the Nintendo 64. All those antiquated techniques. <laughs> um, I, I met your parents, I think, at uh, oh. in Sundance from mm-hmm. when you were there with Mud. And okay. There was a the, the dinner at some upstairs at some restaurant, and uh, I remember sitting... I guess I was sitting with your dad or something, but very cool family. And I'm just curious mm-hmm. what they think of your career. I mean, you kind of well, uh, I mean, <clears throat> they're obviously proud and, yeah. and supportive. But they've always been, even when you know, after I, my, I did my first movie, which I kind of just randomly fell into. I never really had thought about acting or, or working in movies when I was eleven. You know, when mm-hmm. I was eleven years old, which is when I got cast in that movie. But you know, it was something that intrigued me, and it was something that I wanted to kind of see through so there were three years where my mom would help me send in audition tapes on and and she would take me over and over and over and i would never get anything Mm -hmm. and they just you know were so supportive for three years when i didn't when i couldn't get it when i wasn't getting any callbacks Mm -hmm. and i know i was young and, and you know but they were you know if i if i told my parents that I that there was something I wanted to do they would go to the end of the earth mm-hmm. to help me achieve that and uh, so without that love and support from them you know I wouldn't I, I wouldn't be here obviously I mean they're they're like my rock my everything and uh, yeah and they're now you know like it's nice to be able to have them come down to things like South by Southwest and mm-hmm. you know to see that Ready Player One. That was really cool for them. Um, it's just a trip up the interstate. Yeah, they'll have to get it, on the plane. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know? But it's now it's now become like a you know I have a hard time explaining to them what I'm doing or where, you know, and they have a hard time keeping up. Uh, and you know, it's uh, but it's good when something comes out and they can see it and they can yeah. get something tangible um, that they can kind of sink their teeth into. But incredibly supportive. Even now, my dad says, you know. 
I, I, that's great that you you know you're doing what you're doing, and I'm so happy that you're you know you're doing you're being successful at, at it. And um, but I, I you know beyond that, I just care that you're being a good person and you're treating people the way you want to be treated. And he said that's that's what success is yeah. to me, and that's what makes me happy. And so as long as you're you know a good human and you got a good heart and you never lose that about you, then uh, I think you're, you're always going to be successful. So my parents thought, you know, especially in this, this industry can be kind of crazy and you can get, uh, you know, I think a lot of people can get jaded and, uh, is that why you're staying in Texas? Um, I, you know, I have a, I I think I just have a really interesting relationship with LA and (laughs) it's not, Oh, please expand on that (laughs) thought because I probably feel the same, but I'm curious. Yeah. I mean, I would say I respect the city much more than I love it. Mm -hmm. Um, because I could say I have a love hate relationship, but I don't hate the city. You know, it's just, it's a tough city. I think it's can be very lonely at times. You know, Mm -hmm. you don't have people drive around in their cars. They sit on the freeway and you're in this, you're in your tiny little bubble in your own world. And you know, you don't really walk anywhere. You don't, you know, and, and also like people here, I know a lot of people move to LA to, to secure and, or to achieve a, a goal that they set out. And, mm-hmm. and that, you know, that's understandable. I think a lot of people get sucked into a lifestyle that can be sometimes very vain. And, and um, sometimes they focus on the things that, you know, that don't truly matter. And, and they forget why they even came here in the first place. Sure. I, I just think so. For me, there was always that danger in this city. Um, which I think as long as you understand it, as long as you acknowledge it, you can't really, I mean, you can, but you, you have a, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be harder to let it affect you. For sure. Um, it's an acquired taste. Yeah. I mean, I've lived here 13 years and it yeah. took me a really long time before I really loved it. And I love it oh. now. Yeah. 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 I, I, I think it comes eventually. I think so. Just too. like anything. No. And, and I mean, I spend, I spend so much time here. I'm here like every every other week because I have a, I have a tech startup and we're based here in mm-hmm. LA. So I'm, you know, wh- whether I'm out here doing press for a movie for ready player one, um, or, you know, you, you, you know, I have, I have to be here for other meetings. Yeah. Um, Talk about that startup. What is that? It's, it's, well, I mean, I can't tell you too much because oh, yeah, is it under wraps. It's yeah. I mean a little bit, we, we, you know, it's something we've been working on actually even before uh, we started making ready player one or i even found out that i was going to be doing the film it was um you know i was working on the, with on this company with my best friend we we co-founded the company together and uh it's called ether a-e-t-h-e-r ether mm-hmm. um and it's it's you know it's geared towards interactive tv okay um and immersive media um so i mean that's pretty much all i can say because we have you know we're, we're getting ready to make some announcements soon that we're really excited about Very um cool. but we can't you know deals are still being finalized and <laughs> that's awesome man. but hopefully i'll have more to share with you soon good luck with it Thank uh, you. i wanted to jump ahead to x-men briefly you got x-men dark phoenix coming up this year uh you know i asked you if you were a big gamer were you a big comic book fan growing up as well i mean it's i was not actually i mean i liked i liked I think comic book movies. I was obsessed with Batman as a kid mm. until I was about eight. I think I would run around the house and about Batman. I think we probably constant. have that yeah. in common. Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> I think that's a lot of kids. I don't think it's that weird to admit. Um, Batman's popular for sure. I mean, Batman's know. a popular guy. <laughs> so I, uh, yeah, I, but but the the X Men franchise. I think I'd only been 
I'd only actually started watching X Men movies like like a couple months before I I even found out that I was going to be auditioning for one. So, mm-hmm. um, and I, and you know I was I became a huge fan of the franchise and went and watched all the films. And I think that you know that franchise of any you know out of all the Marvel and DC kind of comic book superhero movies, I think it's you know it's the one that has the most complex characters and, and mm-hmm. it's has the most humanity for me, you know, and there's still a lot of action and it's exciting and they're, you know, entertaining movies. But, um, I think for me, that's why I was so excited to become mm-hmm. part of the franchise. And, uh, this, the, the new one, uh, coming out, uh, dark Phoenix, I'm really, really excited about because it's, it's, it is really gravitating towards, you know, that, aspect of of the of these films you know that that, that element that is really grounded mm-hmm. and uh and is really human mm-hmm. and this film i think is more human than we've seen uh of any of the x-men movies so far so i'm excited about that uh and it's uh yeah simon kimberg kind of handled the transition of directing absolutely i mean, he's been, I mean this is his yeah this, this is his baby for well, so long yeah absolutely and this is excuse me his it's his directorial debut. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's like a $200 million. It's a big movie to start on. Movie, yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. kind of crazy. But he, he, you know, he, you know, and I asked him about it. I said, do you feel pressured by that? And he said, no. <laughs> because, like, what other what other first-time filmmakers have a $200 million budget to work with? I mean, I should, yeah. I should feel confident, if yeah. anything, because it's, uh, you know, it's more support. There's more, you know, I, I can, I can get more with that. And, um and he's 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 a great storyteller and he's got great story and story instincts i mean so it was really great to work with with him um on this film because he's he's interested in all the things that i think i'm interested in and and you know sometimes these movies tend to leave behind like you know they tend to just kind of glide over those problems or not really let you know those elements breathe and mm-hmm. i think this is something he really wanted to explore in this film so i think you know it can it might I, i'm really excited to see what it'll do to an audience and you got jessica chastain again mm-hmm. your true tree of life co-star yeah. we've had jessica on the show before she's about oh, nice. the greatest person in the world yeah she's a sweetheart um Speaking of Tree of Life, I did want to go back to that. I, I, I'm just curious what you retained from the experience of working with someone like Terrence Malick so early, and uh, you know what what is something you learned on that production or from a guy like him that you've carried with you? I think he's really good. I mean, it's hard to say because it was my that was my first yeah. experience ever work on a film set. Yeah, which um, is exactly what he wanted. I'm sure. I mean, just 100. That that's what he was. Slate. That's what yeah. he was looking for. Um, and so for, for us, I mean, it was it was it was a normality. You know, it was right. it, it, I, the fact that I never saw a script and that I didn't know what we were going to be shooting until literally the moment we arrived on set was for me. I thought that was normal mm-hmm. <laughs> when I was 11 years old working on this movie. Um, but I think you know he's 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 I, I think there's from I guess what I retain from that experience is to you know always I mean it's good to rehearse and I think it's good to think things through but I mean when you overwork something and you get stuck doing one thing and it's you know when you dig yourself so deep and invest yourself in in one you know I guess one style I, it's it's hard to dig yourself out and it's hard to mm-hmm. 
go different directions. And so I think what being working on his movies, um, you know, the, he, he allows you as an actor, I think, to do so much and go so many places. And and, uh, and he's, you know, sometimes you're, you're on set and you're shooting a, a scene where, you know, it's a it's a, a a dinner scene, and then all of a sudden he sees birds out the window, and then he just wants to shoot that, and mm-hmm. <laughs> which is cool. So he just, you know, you know, he kind of, I think he's really fascinated by capturing moments that are, you know, hard extremely hard to capture like Mm -hmm. there's a moment in the tree of life where a butterfly lands on jessica chastain's Mm -hmm. hand and i remember when that even when i was 11 years old watching that happen in front of me it was so magical Mm -hmm. you know and it's just there there are things like that that only happen in his movies Mm -hmm. um that i feel like you know not a lot of other directors can can you know bottle up yeah and then what kind of movies do you want to make going forward? I mean, you mentioned, you know, this was obviously a burning desire for you when you were a kid. Your parents were helping you send out tapes and everything. Mm-hmm. It's something you really wanted to do. Why do you want to do it so badly? And what kind of movies do you want to make? Yeah, I mean, I think I want to, <clears throat> you know, I want to continue to tell stories that, that move me and will move other people like me. And um, that also relate, you know, extremely important messages. And I think that's something that, you know, I... I'm becoming more and more interested in and fascinated by is how how stories can not only entertain you but but also you know teach you something mm-hmm. and my favorite movies are something you know are movies that that taught me something and so I think those are the type of films that I want to continue to make and also films that you know challenge me personally and uh speak to me um in a sense of you know at a, a certain place in time, you know, may, whether it's something that I'm going th- going through with my family or in my with my friendships or whatever, like I, I always try to find things that that you know that are timely and mm-hmm. they connect with me on a you know in that moment. Yeah, um, I think it's, is- I think it's really important because I think you know that's sometimes when is when you you're able to do your best work is when it's closest to you or sometimes like maybe it's something you don't understand and through working on a film and telling a story you know similar to what you're going through in life may help you better understand yourself yeah translate that to ready player one what what was it about what this movie had to say that that uh really spoke to you sure so i'm kind of on the fence about social media and i'm kind of on Mm -hmm. the fence about a you know all these digital platforms that we have and how accessible they are but and also how how much time people are investing themselves into um, these platforms. And so I actually, up until about a year ago, I was, and this is very ignorant, um, but I had, a, I had a flip phone up until about a year ago. And then I switched to an iPhone because I realized, like, you know, I, I think I've, I'm contradicted because uh, I, I see, you know, people are constantly connected to a screen and they're, mm-hmm. they forget to look up and engage with people all around them. And there's like, you know, there's so much you can see and there's so mm-hmm. much you can learn just by looking up. And um, so that was a, a frustration of mine. And so that's why I wanted to go against the grain, I think. But then I realized, like, oh, it's beautiful that we all have that tool, which is mm-hmm. a, we have a computer in our pockets. Mm-hmm. And at any moment in time, I can google something and learn something that i didn't know and it's at it's at my fingertips mm-hmm. and so in ready player one it, you know our movie is set in 2045 where people spend uh most of their lives in a virtual world called the oasis 
and uh, it's a social world. It's a, you know you can play games there. People even work inside of the Oasis. Mm-hmm. It's it's a it's a you know it's it's a photo real, uh, fantastical replica of kind of a real world, mm-hmm. a reality, and. Um, you know, I think that stands as a large metaphor to social media and some of these digital platforms that we have, and how we balance them. You know, f- you know with our real lives, mm-hmm. and that's something that, that is like the greater. That's like the greatest theme in, in Ready Player One is embracing reality and embracing and and accepting yourself for who mm-hmm. you are. Um, because I have a I have a seventeen year old little sister, and you know, so I'm very sensitive to, to uh, all of this stuff because you know she has Instagram and, and uh, all the social media platforms, and you know, I can see sometimes like maybe in a positive way, maybe in a negative way, she's affected by what people say mm-hmm. on those platforms, and she, you know, we're all seeing images of people, but they're only the images that they're choosing to show you, right? And that's the profile that they're curating right. and sometimes we have a hard time understanding that so when you see whether it's celebrities that are posting you know glamorous pictures of their their travel or what they're doing or the hotel that they're staying in you, you know sometimes it's it's i mean it's impossible not to compare yourself to to them mm-hmm. um because you're seeing it and then you know you you just it's it's sometimes it's yeah, you the know, psychology of the it. psychology yeah. of it's like it can be it can be depressing, and it can make you think like, "Oh, uh, you know, I'm so far from that; I'll never right. achieve anything in my life, or or whatever." Like, you know, it's that's that's not true because, um, you know, these. I, I just I, I think that the, those are the images they're they're choosing to show yeah, you, right? Exactly. And you know, they're not showing you like all the bad days that they're having, <laughs> right? Um, of course, like nobody wants to show you that. So right. there's there's a a layer there that doesn't allow for that transparency. And I think that it can be dangerous. It can be extremely helpful. I, I'm, I'm actually a big, you know, I'm a big believer in a, a, a digitally connected world. And I think the internet and social media is such a new thing. And social media has become a new form of entertainment, whether or not yeah. we want to acknowledge it or accept it. Um, it has, and people actually spend hours a day scrolling through <clears> their <throat> Instagram. Yeah. So, you know, it's just, I think it's about, a lot of it is, you know, we're in a place now where we're just, there's no rules. There's no yeah. rules set in place, and, and we're just trying to figure out how to go about it and how to incorporate it as as, as, a, as a positive tool mm-hmm. and and uh, get rid of all the, the negative effects. Yeah. Well, we're talking today on a day when Facebook's being investigated by the government. Sure. So, you know, yeah, there's, there's even darker elements to it all. So good thing to keep your eye on. Uh, the movie's called Ready Player One. It opens March 29th, and we talked about X-Men Dark Phoenix. That's in November. So check out both of these movies. Ty Sheridan, thanks for coming on the show, man. Thank you for having really me. Appreciate thanks it. so much.